Ding, 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 ding. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Okay. Okay. Uh, hello and welcome to the second podcast of the Lights After Dark blog. I'm one of your hosts, Ali. And I'm Tim. Thank you for all your comments, emails, and questions. We enjoyed reading them all. Yeah, we did. Uh, thank you for your encouragement and, and even especially your questions. It, it actually helped us to reflect more on our walks with God and grow in our own faith. Um, so I hope that this podcast helps you find the answers and that it will bring you closer to Him. Yep, great. Um, so, Ali, uh, this is a podcast about the post that you wrote a few weeks ago on identity. What made you decide to write about this topic? Well, Tim, <laughs> uh, it was actually requested by one of our readers, and uh, it was our first request. And so it was something that I was keen to rehash for myself. Um, I was actually surprised because I thought that I knew all the right answers uh, if someone would ask me about who I was in Christ. But as I was going through it, I really questioned and said, "How do I feel this? You know, do I am I I'm reading royal priesthood, child of God, you know, daughter of the king, things like that?" And I felt like there wasn't really a connect for me um, on a deeper level before writing this um, post. And so. Um, throughout the time taken to write it I needed to meditate on it a bit more um, so that the truth was just not head knowledge but heart knowledge mm, that's that's really interesting um, so tell me a little bit more about that uh, why do you think that knowing our identity is important yeah so you know we live in a world that's full of like changing um, values and changing identities like um, you know one mom- one morning I could wake up and be like I don't want to be Ali. I can be someone else, you know? And, um, and like, you could call it freedom, but at the same time, I think the more I change my identity, the more I, I realize that I don't have a basis for my own self-worth, you know? Um, because, like, for example, you know, I used to be an OT, and um, because that was, like, central to how I saw myself, uh, everything that happened in that job became more stressful because like a failure could mean that I'm a failure or you know um, not measuring up could be that you know it's myself it's my character it's who I am that doesn't measure up and so it becomes more of like a wrecking ball (laughs) Um, yeah and and I realized that actually you know my identity can't be centered on something that's so temporary it has to be something um, a bit more solid otherwise I will I will not have any sense of self-worth and you know, we all need to have a measure of confidence and a measure of belief in ourselves as well to push forward, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah, to know that we're worth something. And um, yeah, it just became really obvious when I became a writer because those same false ideas about identity, mm. you know, like it shouldn't be that hard to just be like, okay, I'm both an OT, now I'm a writer, you know? Um, but it was like a really very drastic change because yeah. now my worth was in writing <clears throat> and um, when I started to do writing with that mentality that it has to be good, it has to work it has to succeed uh, because otherwise, you know, what worth am I what, what's, you know, what's my purpose things like that um, it, it actually became really hard to write and um, I did include a quote in the post saying that you know there's someone who it's going through the same thing as me and he was like you know looking I couldn't see the words on the page for what they were objectively I needed it to be good you know I needed it 
even if it was really bad, <laughs> really terrible, needed it to be good. And like, um, it just kind of affected my writing uh, a lot. So. That does sound like yeah, it was quite a journey to go through. Yeah. So how has writing um, writing this this post uh, helped you? Um, so writing this post was um, a very eye opening because, um, like, I was reminded of who um, God said I was, and it didn't have anything at all in the Bible about being a writer or being an OT or, you know, doing well in your job or anything. Um, it wasn't actually in the Bible. <laughs> um, the words that were in the Bible that were said about me were things like, you know, um, I'm a royal priesthood, holy nation. Um, I'm a princess of God. Um, I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed, called by his name. I'm a minister of reconciliation. Uh, holy and dearly loved <clears throat> and that's just the ones I remember <laughs> yeah. um, and when you really think about it like those things when you work it out with God and you have that solid foundation in God it changes things like mm. you see things differently and you're a bit more stable as well because those things don't change like mm. if you make a mistake or if you find that you're in a place that you don't want to be um like you want to like say you're on the wrong career path or such etc it doesn't matter so much it doesn't affect you as much because god is always with you mm. and you will always know who you are so you you mentioned that um this initial pressure that you felt going into writing mm. and and having that sort of pressure of expectation and performance so how, how is this these um revelations that you're talking about help change your mindset towards not just um, who you are, but um, mm. how, how you're going with, with your work now. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> writing um, still remains a challenge, but I think a different kind of challenge, one that doesn't make me so emotional now. Because, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Yeah, you, uh, Tim has been there every single, like, you know, <laughs> step of the way, and he's seen the progression. You know, when I first started out, I would be like, Tim is not working. I only have 500 words. <laughs> ah, you know. And also, like, when I'm stressed, like, I stress eat. So <laughs> I just, like, I just have, like, packets of stuff just, like, eating and staring at my screen, like, with a vengeance, you know. Um, so, yeah, like, that. those things have become less. <laughs> and um, it has become more of, like, uh, I look at it not so much as, like, some a way to prove myself, but more as a... Um, as an art, you know, mm. like um, it ha has opened up the ability to to explore this with God without feeling stressed if it's going to succeed or not. Because like something about art is that it's not like health where you have KPIs that tell you how you're doing. Mm. You just for art, you just like do something and you're like, I hope it's good. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but I hope it's good. So like sometimes, yeah, like um, what has changed is that. Uh, whenever I write now, like I talk to God about it, and I say, "Look, you know, success or failure, Lord, I am just following what you want me to do, and I will do my best, um, you know. And I have permission to try new things as well. So, like, you know, um, God, what do you want to say about this, or what do you want this character to do? 
you know, and now try writing it. And it, it, there's less voices in my head. Yeah. There's less, that, that's the thing, less voices in my head because um, when I'm writing to prove myself, it's like, I need to make this person happy. I need to make this person happy. Or, you know, um, like, it's also one of the reasons why I'm probably not going to share too much information with my family. <laughs> um, my sister, for example, I love her so much and she gives really good feedback. It's just that um, the, the connotation behind it is that I really like value her opinion so much that I want her to be happy. <laughs> and so I change what I'm doing to so just automatically just change to, you know, and it's like, yeah. So for some people that's more difficult than others, but uh, yeah, but you know, what has changed <laughs> is that I'm doing that less. And right now, all I care about is, is you know, doing this with God and just exploring and whatever happens in the future, you know, at least my identity and my self-worth, it doesn't change. Mm. That sounds like a lot of freedom. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> oh, <any> <laughs> Good reflecting. <laughs> That's my that's my role today. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess to to move on then, so that's that's really good to hear. Um, but just to move on, um, we've had quite a lot of comments around the idea that you know if um, identity is so important and it's at the center of all of these things, why do churches so often preach effort based sermons rather than on identity? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say about that? Yeah, so it's it was an interesting question, and I do see like the point of it as well. Like, uh, you do have many sermons about things like, you know, why shouldn't you not lie? <laughs> why shouldn't you, you know, like, uh, why should you do this and why should you do that? Um, and then they provide Bible verses for that. And uh, I think it is a spectrum, though, because like, I have seen churches and teachings that range from between preaching about identity and the love of God, swinging to the other end extreme, only preaching about actions and like how to like, you know, um, practically like, you know, apply your faith to your life. And I think there is a purpose for both. Um, Because like, on one hand, you have people who do preach the identity and the love of God. And sometimes only that, like most of their sermons are only on that. And which is great, which is fine. Like you need to know the love of God uh, and Jesus. But like we have to remember as well that uh, when Jesus came into the world um, to to purchase our freedom and to redeem us, right? He gave us a new like so God gave us a new nature, new identity, yeah. and so we wear it like we're wearing clothes, right? We're like we wear it, our new identity, our new nature. But we are still um, learning. Like, we still are learning to put off the old nature that's within us, right? And um, we've been put on this earth, like, it's it's like I gave you a name tag, Tim. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, uh, office manager, you know. And that's, <laughs> that's your position, right? <laughs> and you are the office manager, you are. But internally, right, it's a new role. You're not going to be an instant office manager, you know. And you're still learning, you're still growing, you know, and... The thing about having lived in this world and now God coming and giving us a new nature is that we're in a progress, we're in a process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. So we are we are saved, we are redeemed. You know, I have my name tag that says that I am God Christ's righteousness, yeah. right? But God not only desires for us to have that position, but he also desires for us to grow into that position. 
you know. And so, because we live in this world and that's so counter Christian, sometimes we do need people who have practically lived out the word and have practically applied it to their lives to tell us how did you do it, like you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and of course, like with any pastor, you should always look at their teaching. Uh, through the lens of the Holy Spirit that lives within you, you know, because what applied, what they applied, and what worked for them, you know, it might be different for you, right? But under the covering of the Holy Spirit, we are all pursuing Christ. We're all pursuing the same, you know, guy, same person. So, um, yeah. So I think the the main point though is that when we do listen to action based, you know, quotation quotation or effort based preaching, uh, it shouldn't be like we had. We have to do this to earn God's love, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, like being human, our pastors might, like, or the church might, be like, "You're not doing this. Why aren't you doing this? You know, like yeah. this is the standard." And like, just pull back and be like, "I understand. <laughs> I'm working through it. But look, I know that God loves me, and that He knows that I'm growing. He knows my heart. That it is focused on Him. Is you know." And, and to not listen to the pressure, you know? Um, just, yeah, being secure in our salvation, basically. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's because that Paul's identity was based in God, and God doesn't change. So, yeah. I see. Um... So that way we don't, you know, put our standards on others as well. Like Second Timothy um, chapter four, verse one to five. Uh, so just bear with me; it's a long passage. But in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge: preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So the reason why I read that was um, just to add on to the point that when preachers like teach effort-based sermons, they are obeying the word. They are preaching the word. Mm-hmm. They are using it to correct, rebuke, and encourage. So, um, yeah, just um, I know that some of them can come across really strong. And a lot of us, maybe, you know, with um, parental difficulties <laughs> or learning how to balance who we are with what they say, can also find that a bit, you know, jarring and a bit confronting. But, you know, from a place of security, knowing your identity in God, that you don't have to earn the love of God. You can actually use that as a great asset. The pastor, when they preach, you know, whatever their experience is, whatever their, you know, what they have learned in teaching the word and in living out the word, that becomes an asset to you and it doesn't become offensive. It becomes something that you can then use to further your growth with God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the older generation like we were just learning about this last Sunday about generations right and God that that God is a God of generations Um, the older generation has a lot of um, good lessons for us to learn a lot of good advice that we can take on board Um, and 
I think we have to be secure in ourselves and know that Jesus is not um, like a hard taskmaster. Like he he loves us. He does. But he loves us enough to not let us remain as who we are before he loved us. You know, if I had a a problem with, you know, stealing, for example, and then God came into my life, he would want me to stop stealing (laughs) so I could be a better person, but also not to have those consequences that come with stealing, you know, like jail, for example. He doesn't want me to go to jail, you know? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, um, I think the best way to explain it would be as uh, a parent and a child, right? Mm. So when you're, um, you know, when you're a parent and you're looking after a small kid and you see your kid like climbing something that shouldn't be climbed, like a statue or something, and you tell that kid, hey, you know, don't climb on that statue because you're going to fall. And, um, you know, that parent is not giving an ultimatum to the kid saying that if you don't, if you don't stop climbing that statue, then I will no longer love you. Yeah, or I'll come okay. and push you off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's that's kind of abuse, you know. Like, you know? <laughs> that's abusive. Um, but look, you know, yeah, like that's that's the same with you know who God is and who we are. You know, when God says something, they like, don't do something. It's not because He's not going to love you, but it's just that it's going to have a consequence that uh, it's not going to be very beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so really that's the best way of explaining it but also like when you understand like what a healthy parent-child relationship looks like right you will also understand that um, when you know he tells you to do something um, he's not watching to see that you're going to fail you know because God not only gave us a new nature but he also gave us an inheritance right yeah and that you know, he gave us also like a mission, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew mm-hmm. 28. Um, and that's like, you know, a commission to us to, to um, like inherit the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, the kingdom of God is like, you know, feed the hungry, clothe the poor, you know, um, look after the widow, things like that. Um, and those are the things that God wants us to do on earth. And we, if we love him, we want to do those things Mm -hmm. because they reflect God's heart. You know, we want to be about our father's business as Jesus was. You know, he was secure in his relationship and in who he was, you know, who he was in God. But he didn't just sit around and was like, yep, God loves me. I don't really need to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) But he was, he was busy. He was like, you know, caring for the sick, you know, he was feeding the poor, things like that. And like, you know, there's so many verses, um, which like I have written down, <laughs> so many verses uh, where, you know, he says like, I, I do the work that I see my father doing, you know, and um, he, you know, and I'm so glad that he also was passionate about what God was passionate about, because that's, you know, what led him to die on the cross for us, you know, he wasn't passive. Like he mm-hmm. he was secure in his love um, for God and and insecure in the love that God had for him and he was just naturally decided to do those things that God wanted him to do. So similarly, uh, we you know who are called to be Christ-like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, with God's grace and His empowerment to do the things that He uh, wants us to do. Um, 
can be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's so. What what we're getting at really is that so a lot of this this effort thing that that we're talking about um, comes out of identity mm. because we want to be like Jesus, and Jesus was somebody who put in effort. He wasn't somebody who just sat around and was like, "Oh yes, I'm the Son of God. Good for me." <laughs> <laughs> Yay! It, it reminds me of um, something that. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, I know I quote C.S. Lewis a lot, but um, said that if you look at a lot of the Christians throughout history who've done the most for the world, um, it's the Christians who thought the most of the world to come that do the most for the world that they're in now. Mm. The ones who are the most concerned with um, the kingdom and heaven and all those sorts of things, they're the ones who invest most into their present, the present situation, present circumstances that God has placed them in. So if I could share, a couple of years ago when our pastor was talking to us about pruning, and you know, pruning is where God is trying to get us to let go of things, um, cutting them out of our life so that we can you know, be more Christ-like. And based on that description, it's really quite effort-based because it's about us identifying and losing parts of our character and our, and our behaviors, all those sorts of things that you know, make us other than what God wants us to be. But it's actually, when you think about it and how I took it, it's we're pruning things because they make us unhappy and they aren't healthy for us. And without hearing that sermon, I wouldn't have known about those things in my own life. I didn't find the sermon discouraging. It didn't make me feel like striving. It didn't make me feel like, oh, I have to do more. I'm not good enough for God. But yeah, it helped me to grow a lot in, in that regard. And it's actually became one of the major um points in my life uh, where I experienced a lot of growth was largely because of that sermon and I I remember um, yeah I remember praying after afterwards and then feeling so much conviction and so much um, yeah and and so much hope as well in in my heart that um, carried on for a very very long time afterwards yeah no that's yeah um That's a really good reminder of that pruning sermon because, like, um, I remember watching a sermon by um, John Bevere, and I'm sorry I, I kind of talk about him a lot, but he's very charismatic. <laughs> I like him. But anyway, um, he was saying how, um, oh, he was saying in his book, Killing Kryptonite, that when we uh, point out things that are wrong with our lives, it's not to condemn, but to just let you know that it's there and he used the example of you know cancer when a doctor notices a tumor he tells you that it's a tumor you know as much as he doesn't want to do it he has to so that you can make the right decisions to address that tumor right but if you decide that you just want to hear only like good things uh, you would go to a doctor that doesn't tell you that there's a tumor there even though it's very obvious and you might continue living your life until one day you realize it's it's too late, you know, and you can't address it. So I think, yeah, like the, the overall lesson, if you get anything out of this, the overall lesson is that when someone, uh, you know, speaks into your life um, something that, you know, you need to prune or you need to cut off or you need to change, like, don't take it as they're judging you, um, you know, just allow them allow those words to just you know process in your mind and you really work on it with the Lord and say look 
is this something that I do need to change? Mm-hmm. Is this something that I do need to uh, work on? And uh, you'll be better for it because there's so much wisdom out there. And sometimes we think that, you know, if if it's not presented nicely, <laughs> uh, you know, then it's, you know, we shouldn't take it on. Like, I mean, I keep going back to parenting and Asian parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that some Asian parents... They just say it as it is. It's like, I was just watching a YouTube video and the, the, the comedian was like, yeah, my mom is just so straight. She was like, why are your face so fat? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, automatically translating that. My mom just thinks that I'm eating too much. Like, you know? Yeah. And it's just, a, it's just a natural part of our brains um, because, you know, parents just are very straight. Shoot, like sharp shooting, straight, straightforward. And, you know, that's, that's okay. Uh, you know, it's better than not having someone tell you that you need to work on something. Instead, just telling you that you're perfect and then realizing that actually I'm not. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's also is like for me those things when you when you're told something like that, it doesn't make me feel like God loves me less because this has been pointed out. Mm-hmm. Or that I have to earn my salvation by working on, on this area. Like, your face being fat doesn't matter to God. Um, but <laughs> it is something that maybe if it's indicative you know, like, of poor health or something. Yeah, yeah like heart have. disease. Or, yeah, exactly. You know. so, and for, for me, it, it makes you realize that there are things that you want to be rid of. And yeah. that you could be rid of if you, if you actually want to. To yeah. be closer to God. And because these things are things I'm focusing on instead of Him. Yeah. So for for me at least those are quite motivational and aspirational yeah. because they they tell you what you could be yeah and you know yeah and like the the great thing about uh, like meditating on the word and things like this is that they don't change because I've realized that without the word without knowing what um, <clears throat> like using the Bible as a map kind of thing without that. I would be so distracted by whatever the world says. And the world, the world fluctuates. The standards fluctuate. And um, I feel like even if I follow one thing, you know, it will change <laughs> the next time I check, you know? And I'm just so glad that, you know, the Bible is eternal and it has lasted this long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I think even in terms of, like, recent history people think that or some people think that you know like um human history is a steady march of progress towards a better future mm-hmm. but even within that like the 80s were more conservative than the 70s then the 90s were less conservative than the 80s and the 2000s were more conservative than the 90s things it's it's fluctuation things come and go um values change there isn't stability <coughs> in it and that's why it's so frustrating for a lot of older people to feel themselves so out of touch because the values that they believed in and cared about so deeply and so greatly are now out of fashion. Yeah. And so are they. So yeah. they used to be good people and now they're not anymore, according to what society says. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, just basically just that. Having a standard that doesn't change. But knowing that I don't have to follow it to earn love, I just... Mm. It's just uh, something that I could grow towards, and I do want to grow. I do want to be a better person. I do want to know how to love people better. 
and to also um, carry out the work of the kingdom as well, um, as God wants us to. I think it, it just helps me to realize that, you know, living a Christ-like life from a place of security is really, it, you know, it feels like heaven, it does. Mm -hmm. It feels really good because, like, it's different to how the world lives and it's more satisfying. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's also great to have God um, and to feel like that you're growing in the right direction towards God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, so I don't know if I'm capable or whatever, but you sharing about John Bevere also made me realize to an extent, though, that so there is an extent to which being a straight shooter when it comes to parents sort of thing is good. But the flip side, I think, uh, maybe one of the reasons why so many people are so triggered by effort-based sermons is like, for <coughs> me personally at least, say like the doctor diagnoses you with cancer and he talks about you having cancer, my parental response to that would be, you have cancer, it's your fault, you did all of these sorts of things, you earned it, you deserved it, why didn't you yeah. do things differently? So like, and is this sort of the striving is built into the diagnosis. Yeah. And I think so some people have are stuck in that sort of mindset where things that happen to them are condemning of them. Mm. And we have to realize that that's not how God sees it. Yeah. Yeah. He he isn't about pointing the finger at you and being like, "Well, if only you'd done this, then then you wouldn't be where you are now, but you did." And so I guess I'll fix it because I have to because I'm God but like really don't stuff up like that <laughs> it's it's yeah, um, yeah. Mm. yeah so I, I think that maybe pe some people respond so poorly to like what we're calling effort based sermons because that's the mindset mm -hmm. but you have to realize that that's a, a very like inaccurate picture of what God is actually like yeah it's, it's not how he, he sees you or how he sees your, your, your stuff up so your sin or any of that yeah yeah like um let's call it teaching based sermons yeah okay <laughs> let's call it that yeah. teaching based rather than effort based teaching based teaching based sermons uh i agree i think that it is built into our mindset and like it's very black and white thinking hey because we were having a conversation uh tim and i about black and white thinking extreme thinking it's like if someone says that uh, they didn't like what we were wearing that day mm. my black and white thinking would be like oh she doesn't even like like my taste or, or, or I have a terrible taste I'm terrible I shouldn't dress myself <laughs> I should always ask you know someone else yeah. another like a, a another you know more fashionable like you know f um, girlfriend <laughs> to tell me how to dress things like that and it's like Oh, it's like extreme thinking mm -hmm. and so we really want to aim for like balanced thinking if someone tells you that you know something is wrong the mature response is that okay let's talk about it you know let's be objective and yeah <laughs> try and try and get the good from it you know yeah. um I think it's important as well that you know, um, not everything that's said to us is something that God wants to communicate to us about ourselves. Um, 
we have to also give each other permission to be wrong and to give bad advice sometimes um, and um, not and to not have our identity based on what other people are saying about us okay. Amen Tim, Amen That's very true I understand Thank you Ali all right well thank you so much for listening to our podcast yeah um so sorry that this was a bit late uh we have uh had a few things to handle uh, on the writing side as well as mm-hmm. social life <laughs> but um anyway that's life yeah. and uh you know just um continuing to pursue god and pressing into him uh, if you do have any questions about this or emails, um, we will try and be uh, more prompt with answering emails. Yeah. Uh, we do enjoy, like, because it's, it's also a challenge to us to really think about our faith and to grow um, in our faith. And we're not, yeah, like, we, we just want you to be able to express yourself as well and to really think about the topics that are challenging you and... Um, and hopefully, you know, we can help each other grow in mm-hmm. our walks with God. So our email again is lights after dark blog, which uh, have full stops instead of spaces <laughs> at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's lights dot <laughs> after oh. dot <laughs> dark dot <laughs> blog. blog at gmail.com. Yep. Yes, nailed it. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's that's a wrap. Thank you very much, Ali. And um, everybody listening, we'll see you or you'll hear us again. Um, we'll see you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shortly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, we, you will hear from us and I'm sure we'll hear from you. Yeah. Shortly too. Thank you. Thank you. Ba-dum, ba-dum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's uh